warning. The Catholic Man Show contains high levels of manliness. If you think you may be too weak to withstand the manliness represented in the following program, please do yourself a favor and stop listening now. If you choose to continue in spite of this warning, if at any time you feel yourself overcome by the manliness, stop immediately and consult your closest medical professional. And now, for the not-so-fair, faint, or frilly, we present The Catholic Man Show. Good morning and welcome to the Catholic Man Show. Adam Minahan here, sitting with David Niles to my right, to my left, is a guy who needs no introduction, and that is a good thing because I have no idea who he is. <laughs> that, oh, te- Jim, te- Jim, technically to your Juan? left as well. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick. Yes. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be in the the Death Star. I mean, the mothership. Pick, yeah. pick your metaphor. Yeah, the home base. The studio. The, castle, the high castle. The studio. The studio. It's not a study. It's not the studio. It's, it's the it studio. It ain't no man cave. And, it, and it's not a man cave. No man cave. Line through it. Oh. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Dave is going to go make sure that the equipment runs correctly because that's typically how we roll on like, the fly. I like Dave. Yeah, he's he's good with. Uh, we'll keep him around. We'll keep paying him. Yep. My middle name's Dave. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, so last night you gave a talk uh, to I, I uh, Tulsa on the contraception deception. That was the heart of it. Yeah. How did we get here with uh, every second show being about transgender mania and the redefinition of marriage and shacking up being normative and, and high divorce rates and the pornification of all things and abortion? How do we go from the mid 60s to today so yeah i was really grateful to be here and for the invite and of course here at studio yes uh so because it is this morning we're not going to partake in scotch because we thought that could we did think about we it we did though. think about it <laughs> i did uh, spike them when you were oh looking. good oh yeah. good so we're we're just having some coffee and some mimosas my wife thought uh, she said hey why don't you guys have a mimosa she makes so many good calls yeah that is a good call she married you yeah, she married me, mm-hmm. which was a mm-hmm. great call. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on who you ask, but for me, it was a great call. The kids seem on board. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think she settled. <laughs> yeah, she, but... she definitely settled. But here we are. Uh, she's a great woman. And in fact, I her... said that at your wedding. You did. Except for her taste in men. She's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did. He said that. He said that uh, in his best man speech. Oh, that must, like, that must be. I epic. said, you know, mm-hmm. Adam, way to go. All this, you know, wonderful stuff about Haley. Haley, I really think you settled. <laughs> that is great. Uh, so the Patrick Hoffman Show, it's doing really well. It's been a lot of fun to listen to and watch the the show grow. Yeah, thanks. It's mm-hmm. you. You're a poet, and you're not even aware of the fact. Hmm. Show grow. It is. It's. Um, we get regular downloads in weird places. We uh, last time I checked the Libsyn stats for you, Insider. Oh, yes. Podcast pros, forty-seven regular listeners in Israel, and forty-seven in Palestine, the Palestinian territories. That's cool. I think I can solve the Mideast peace process. <laughs> I have a I, there's a recipe there. I can 
get, bring them to the table. No, it's uh, it's great. We have um, uh, it's it's a wide array of guests, but they're all rowing in the same direction, which is recovering the damage to the cultural DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interviewing upcoming. I just got a yes from David Horowitz, who's an agnostic Jew, who's written a very good manual of how we got here called Dark Agenda: The War on Christian America. I think it's called. Um, Jordan B. Peterson, Gavin McInnes, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, Scott Hahn. Your, so it's, it's, your interview with Milo rocked my world. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, Milo. I like to took credit, a, he, like a deep gulp and held my breath and hit play for that. Yeah, I kind of did it, too. I mean, just, like, just letting you know, like I was like, see I was thinking, what like, is about to happen. I'm just like, I had no idea it was going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I'm sure you did the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> I, Milo and I, you know, we, we didn't rehearse any of it. He really didn't know where I was going to take the conversation but i did tell him this is funny for those who, if, if you have any un- contact with the british you know what a puff is right puff's a gay guy oh okay and i i made it clear that i, the, I this was not going to be a puff piece and he goes uh, actually it will be <laughs> <laughs> because of the interview subject but he he's very um uh honest and candid about his own uh status in life he believes everything the church teaches mm-hmm. and uh yeah he knows he's compromised and in miles on a journey and i'm on a journey and um from our bulging no one's perfect file mm-hmm. he's um he's got a lot of integrity and just enormous amount of courage so it was my first long form conversation that went almost two hours mm-hmm. and i didn't know if he would be offended or but he let me go there about his the, the whole marriage thing and what happened going on three years now Mm-hmm. with the Joe, Joe Rogan interview and stuff like that. But he's bouncing back. Milo has the punch back twice as hard gene. Mm-hmm. And um, I think more Catholics can learn from that yeah. angle. When I picked you up from the airport yesterday, we had a little bit of a discussion on just the type of media, the type of podcasts that are out there. Yeah, uh, And you were asking me about our show as far as like, are, are we covering specific topics on church news and things like that? Yeah, uh, inside stuff, the church politics, leadership. Right, the, the crisis. Right, you know? exactly. The summer of scandal. Right, yeah, uh, right. Um, and I was like, you know what? No, we're not. Mm. Um, it's very interesting because we always get people who ask us for for whatever reason. Hey, what do you think about this? Did you hear what this person said? Right, they, uh, they, you're insta pundit now, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, what? Wh- where do you fall? Yeah, in Yo- this Yoda, you yeah, take. You must know, right? I mean, Here's yeah. the line. Which side are you on? Um, yeah. Like you can know what figure X is thinking about whatever it is. How right. can I know? Google the guy. Right. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, yeah. I'm just like, look, I'm too busy levitating to even come right. down on one side of the line or not. You I know am what I mean? grateful that, that you have a duck in the studio to keep you distracted. Yeah. Like yeah. unto Philip mm-hmm. Mary. Otherwise, he, yeah, it would just be, it would be embarrassing for the rest of you. <laughs> just, I'd just be over here spitting all this deep wisdom. Yeah. Really? Probably. He's just, he's just laying Adam, out there. Prob- probably. Probably. <laughs> But uh, I, I think that it is the reason why we don't do it is because when there's uh, it's exhausting in my opinion to try to keep up with what the what the latest and greatest things yep. in the church um, and there's so many great topics uh, <clears throat> that the church has given us over the two thousand years that mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know about. Um, That's true. I mean, you've you've got the world's largest repository of forgotten classics and books mm-hmm. that can change your life and the stories of the saints and the mystics and the doctors and the church fathers. You have to, you kind of have to pick which of the buckets you want to yeah. be distributing to people. Um, I couldn't do what Church Milton does. I couldn't right. for, for two hours. I couldn't siphon on bad news. Mm-hmm. I would just bring me down. And I have to be careful while I do commentary, and I love it. And I'm, I'm a lot more 
church leadership scandal oriented than you guys are. But I, that's not my focus. My focus is rebuilding the culture through better marriages, mm -hmm. uh, more commitment, no porn, um, don't leave your wife, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think you do a great so, job of, of blending, uh, of, yeah, of, of balancing both. Yeah, um, I do too. I think I think it's not one extreme or the other, but I think you do a good job. <clears throat> well, of thanks. It's um, I, I've learned this slowly. I'm I'm a very I'm a, a junkie of a very wide array of podcasts, yours including included. And one of them I really like is is Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. Um, he's he's just like I don't know five million podcasts now. But yeah, one of the is. things that that I learned from from JLD is have a to do list. It's important, but also have a not to do list. Mm. Like I'm not doing something. I'm saying no to a bunch of things because I want to be here. Everyone mm -hmm. listening is saying yes to continually listening to the show. When it's over, they're going to have an another decision to make. What am I going to say yes to? What's on my to-do list? But what's on my not to-do list? Like in my morning, my little morning routine, I did a um, video on, on the, what do I do in the morning? And there's no magical thing. It's not superior to what other people do. But I strictly don't consume um, any social media, no, no um, email, nothing before I get my carcass in the chair, before my artificial Southern California gas fire <laughs> and do the eye brewery. I do the morning prayer and then, okay, now I'm sort of reset. If I hit Twitter, it's a time vampire mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm anxious mm -hmm. and I've and got it, the FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah. It's a terrible way to start your day. And I would be distracted in prayer. I'm, I'm so distracted in prayer anyway, but yeah, if there's, oh, some breaking news and then I try to pray, it's not... It's gonna be terrible. Yeah. It's gonna be terrible. Yeah, what are you thinking of? The thing you just read. Right. It's now got your and the the lame screen media, they live to keep us anxious. That's the whole game is to yeah. keep us afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the so. news is in the business of selling ads. Mm -hmm. That's, That's what right. they do. They That's sell television. ads. TV exists for ads. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they want you they want to make things extreme. They want to make things crazy so that you get hooked and keep watching their ads. Yeah, and buy stuff you don't need. Right. Yes. So they're, they're actually work, not they in the business of news. It's just yeah. It's selling ads. Uh, we're drinking mimosas this Oh, yeah, morning. let's cheers. Cheers. More on the Lord's team? The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Los Cheerios. It's also a cereal. Los Cheerios. I love mimosas, personally. I'm a big juice guy. I mm. love juice. So if we can... You looked mm. a little roided out. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about steroids when I'm I say that. I'm sensing rage beneath the surface. <laughs> yeah. What's that reaction just now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, the mimosa is the ultimate beverage to determine if someone is pregnant. Because who's going to turn down a mimosa, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have, we have, a I have no idea where to segue from here. <laughs> so, I don't believe that I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're good. Cause you're drinking one. Yeah. Uh, so between Juan, <laughs> David, and my, our, our families, when we all get together, it's always a, uh, make sure to look at each wife, to see if they're drinking because if they're not, that's the cue. Yeah. They're oh, pregnant. Cause our, our okay. wives drink a lot. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our wives, we chose uh, high functioning alcohol yeah. Yeah. as spouses oh i love you babe uh, that I, I don't it makes our virtue look better <laughs> why did you just call him babe yeah, yeah why did you do that no, you looked right at me when was, you said that not for, the non -visual, you. for the non-visual consumer <laughs> this is going great this is going great <laughs> all right so we're here with patrick coffin in studio when we get back we're gonna jump into the topic which will be interesting because we did not tell patrick what the topic was going to be nor did Dave and I really discuss too much about the topic, so we'll see where that goes. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan and the one and only Patrick Coffin. It may not be the only. There may be another Patrick Coffin out there. Is there is one, as an internet search can, uh, can mm. provide. There's, mm. one, there's a guy in Utah, and, Think I, so. and I hate him. <laughs> he's a lot, Patrick. He wouldn't, give, he wouldn't give me the dot com. Maybe he'll die soon. He, we don't, eventually wi- he we will. don't wish his, for his death. But, hey, wouldn't you be wishing the greatest good for him? Go to be with Jesus and yeah. raise a glass of tea. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, why are we delaying yeah. the good things, the best thing? Mm. You're keeping him from heaven, Adam, by not wishing his death upon him. Mm. Possibly. Mm. I love twisted moral reasoning. <laughs> like, I used to think about things like this when I was a kid. Wouldn't it be better to beat up a priest and rob him? If you, if you look at... If you look at what? morality as a, like a, a bean counter approach. Mm-hmm. So beating up a priest and robbing him is terrible, right? It's mm-hmm. a, a terrible evil that you would repent of. So you get a, a net grace gain. <laughs> the priest would have to forgive you because he's a public Christian. So he gets, a, a, there's another net gain. And you give the money back. And then at the end, you repent of the whole idea of doing that. <laughs> so it's, it, there, it's morally incumbent that you... This is like a false inflation in economy. Like you're like you're falsifying inflation. <laughs> like it's metaphorically I'm making fake money yeah. here as I speak. You know. <laughs> Just ignore me. Okay. Let, yep. What, what do I got going here? Oh, it's a little. It's a little effect. It's one of the few things you can do on on live radio. So okay. you have no idea what I'm about to do. Correct. And so I will. I will make sure the camera's on me. I can't see what you're doing. Okay. It's um. It's a way to tell that someone's lying, and it's not a skill I can teach. But um, tell you what, I I literally, and I'm going to ask you to lay some cards down, so don't don't go flick flick flick, so I could possibly count. Okay. But shuffle the deck first of all, just okay. randomize them. Okay. Randomized. Okay. Take any, uh, let's say, a handful of cards. Take nine cards from anywhere in that deck, off the top, bottom, three. middle, doesn't matter. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and put the rest of the deck aside. Okay. Okay. So Dave, you hold that. Thank you. Yeah, pick up your nine. Okay. And give them a shuffle. Okay. No shuffle. way no way on earth. I mean, for the viewers, I'm not looking at a camera. I have no monitor. Right. But if keep you turn right. to the left, I would okay. no. right here. Okay. And uh hold the hold the the pack of cards like you're holding a poker hand. Okay. Towards me. Yeah, towards you. So okay. you can see all the faces. Yep. So you see the pips and the the values in the and the suit. You know the yep. identity of all the cards. Pick one in the middle. Take the uh, take the third card from the left and just look at it and memorize it. Okay. Okay. Gather the hand. Don't change it. Just gather the hand into one and now hold it face down. Okay. You got it? Yes. You got that card in mind? Yes. Uh, I want you to spell the card. So, for instance, if it's the ace of clubs, mm-hmm. put A, C, E, okay. and then plunk the rest of the pile on top of that. Or if it's Do I say two... That- do I say don't, it out loud? No, no, don't say it out loud because okay. I can't know. that. That's the whole point. Okay. I can't know the card. If it's two, it would be T-W-O. So whatever do the number quietly, is. Quietly. Yeah, do it quietly. Okay, done. And then uh, put the rest of the packet on top of the pack you just put on the table. Okay. You gather the whole thing up again. Sure. And O-F, so of, right? The blank of blank. Okay. And then, and then do then, the same thing. Okay. Perfect. Now the suit. So D-I-A-M-O-N-D-S or H-E-A-R-T-S, whatever the suit okay. was. And finish, right? Okay. Okay. So now you have a packet. Yes. I, it's all randomized. I can't know what card you're thinking nor what any of those cards are. Correct. Hold the packet in your left hand, and I want you to turn the cards face up. Okay. I will not look. I want you to, as you say all of the names of the cards, when you come to your card, mm-hmm. just be as casual as you can. What I'm going to try to do here 
is pick up which one you're lying about, the one you're trying to prevent me from knowing. Okay. And just be, you're a radio pro. Just do sure. this, you know. Dave, why don't you do this part? You say it. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll say so, it. Okay. So count them. So card number one, just say it what right. it is. So Jack of hearts. Eight of clubs. King of spades. Two of hearts. Four of diamonds. Five of hearts. Nine of diamonds. Three of hearts. Four of clubs. Hmm. Four of diamonds. That was it. You were think you were trying to prevent me from knowing that you were thinking four of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Am I right? That is correct. Yeah. That's well done. That is well done. I was waiting for a stu- like fake studio. Uh, st- <laughs> yeah. Where's our button? Where's our button? Our yeah, laugh I don't button. Think we have a. <laughs> so this. So don't, so the lesson that was, is. That was nice. Is don't lie to me. Don't lie. Don't. You know. I'll discern me. Very so nice. That was very, nice. That was very Because I don't touch the cards. Right. So you I know. just hear the names of the card you're thinking of. Very well done. All right. Mm. Thank you. Very well done. Uh, that was impressive. So, moon landings. Moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Awkward Segways. Uh, where, where did you... Have you always had an interest in magic? I was about mm, 14 years old Mm -hmm. in Nova Scotia and there was this French Canadian gentleman and he set up a card table where we had spent our summers at Oakfield Golf and Country Club in Grand Lake, Nova Scotia. And his name was Mr. Gagnon. He was a member of the golf club that we belonged to. And he did, I don't know, I don't remember the specifics, but they were like card behind hand and coin from ear, classic granddad type stuff. I'd never seen close up magic done before that well. And he, I would say he was a, a high-end quality amateur magician. And my 14-year-old jaw was on the ground. I just wanted to replicate that. I loved the sense of wonder. And it's not that I couldn't figure it out. I, my conclusion was it can't be done, what I just saw. So I found that I had a facility for cards, and I kind of started that way. Then I, I did this uh, Boy Scout show, my poor late father. Oh, my gosh. Every trick failed. I mean, in front of 200 of my Cubs you know, peers. <laughs> because rehearsing reminded me that I have to actually do the show. And I was terrified to get in front of all those people. And so I got this magic kit and I left it alone. It's like kryptonite. I, I, I'll I be fine. Oh, my, I remember my dad wanted to climb under the chair. So that put the fear of God in me and, and nailed to me the, the importance of practice, practice, practice. And practice doesn't make perfect. It just makes permanent. Right. So, yeah. I, and now I love to practice. It's like... If you're a really good pianist, you love scales because mm-hmm. you know it's helping you chop. So I, I get a few minutes in it each day rehearsing nice. mechanical nice. moves. Yeah, Nice. So that's a long-winded way of saying 14, Dave. Okay, 14. Yeah. So Adam, what do you want to talk about today? Uh, we, we, we discussed maybe uh, the sanctifica- sanctification, mm-hmm. sainthood, or in suffering. Or suffering. And or. Let's talk about suffering. Okay. I think that's... Uh, a good topic that is, uh, especially this is something that's largely unknown or uh, it's, it's foreign. It's to not some, something it, that's understood to our Protestant brothers and sisters in large part. Um, mm-hmm. Just that the idea of suffering, why would you want to suffer, you know? Um, but many, many saints, including I think St. John Paul II said something to the effect that 
there's all this wasted suffering in these hospitals all over, all over the world that you know we could be renewing the world, renewing the church um, if we just learn to offer it up. In That's the, right the Sheenster. That's that was who it was. Sheen? Okay, of course it was. Do you know there's a tie-in to Saint John Paul II with him? Hmm. You remember the late great Father Andrew Apostoli, mm-hmm. founder with Father Benedict Rochelle of the Oh, okay, the, yeah, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Mm-hmm. He was ordained in 1968 in Rochester by Bishop Sheen. Really, the homily that Bishop Sheen gave that day is on. You can find it on the internet the text of it, and. When John Paul II made his first trip to the U.S. in 1979, he visited St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he was hosted by then Cardinal John O'Connor. And Bishop Sheen was very frail, but he was still still alive. He was at the cathedral, St. Pat's, and uh, Father Andrew was also there. I heard it from his from his mouth. And um, Cardinal was Cardinal O'Connor was looking for Bishop Sheen. The Pope is here. Where is he? And before, as he realizes Sheen's not on the altar, John Paul II whispers into Cardinal O'Connor's. I want to meet Bishop Sheen. Where is Bishop mm-hmm. Sheen? And they couldn't find him. Well, he was downstairs in the chapel beneath the altar. He didn't want to be on the altar because he didn't want to pull any focus from his hero, John Paul II. And the last book that Bishop Sheen wrote is called Treasure in Clay. If you like Sheen at all, brothers and sisters, get that book. It's one of those, you know, which album would you want on Desert Island? That's one of those books. It's endlessly fascinating, beautifully drawn book. And in the one of the final chapters, he makes kind of, I won't call them predictions. They're kind of prophetic utterances about John Paul II and the world impact he would have. And he had even he had not been called to the chair of Peter for it wasn't even a year. So all the things mm, that wow. Sheen said, based on knowing his history from the sixties, they were they collaborated at the Second Vatican Council and so on. So they they knew each other. Okay, I, I'm I'm tying this back because um, Father Andrew told me that when. Of Carol Wojtyla in prepping for speaking engagements in the in the U.S. wanted to speak English better. He was already a polymath. I mean, he's he was fluent in yeah. I want to say ten languages. He could actually talk in them. Mm-hmm. He learned English like the finesses and the cadence of public speaking from listening to uh, Bishop Sheen's TV show, the uh, the audio. Well, no way. So that's a listen, great. That's a he'd be a great person to you, listen to. Yeah, if you listen to John Paul II give an allocution, he has that Sheen esque. Uh, pause. There's a very similar. He's hmm. not in a hurry to get to this finish line. He's very. He waits th- so that the audience can, you know, tie A to B and connect dots. So that's my something that doesn't translate is. well with his writing. Because <laughs> it's like yeah, it's he, very elliptical. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, there it is. Which is yeah. complicated by the fact that he's usually not writing in English, right? You know, and yeah, you're relying on a translation. Like uh, we read. Um, the, all of his Wednesday audiences on theology of the body, mm-hmm. theology of the body, and it's like I'm so I, he's grateful. trying to say something. I just yeah. know it, <laughs> and you kind of work your way around it, and finally, yeah, you get. Have there. you seen the John Paul II quote generator? No. no. Yeah. Just go, just go on, go online. Pope John Paul II quote generator. It's this gener. It, uh, it sounds like him, but it doesn't really say anything. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show here with Patrick Coffin in studio in the house. So we're talking a little bit about, well, a lot of things. We're talking about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, we're going to try to zero in a little bit on suffering, a topic that is a little foreign to, actually, let's let's be honest, foreign to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. As far as in the theological sense, I think everybody suffers. Everybody understands yeah, suffering. The, as the prophets R.E.M. said, saith everybody yeah. hurts. Everybody. Yeah. Man, it, we need to get a sound button machine. So like, if we could figure that out ahead of time and everybody hurts. Yeah. Sometimes. Anyway. Uh, just record we, what you, you, you mean, just yeah, did this, uh, we that's, could, we that, captured, was, that was gold. It was captured. That is radio gold. It is You're written. welcome. Dude, written, I'll push a button that doesn't do anything and you sing it again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He does not say, uh, go lay on the couch. This is going to be a cakewalk. Yeah. Um, I'm, turn turn I'm, up the I'm volume gonna... on that pericomo. Enjoy that hammock. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've talked before on on Ephesians 5 for men specifically, uh, where Jesus is talking about with his, uh, how you're supposed to act with your wife as he does with the bride, with his bride, yeah. the church, which is what? Die. He laid mm-hmm. down everything. He gave Every ounce of blood, he gave every single yeah. thing that he possibly had for the love of the church, for the love of his yeah. bride. He got himself murdered. We co- we committed deicide. Correct. The worst possible evil imaginable has already transpired on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he 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 gave us this <clears throat> example. Here's what we're supposed to do. He lays it out. This is this. Mm-hmm. Is, follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. Yeah. So Patrick, why does he <laughs> say that? Does he does Jesus just want us? Does he want our lives to be hard? Is he picking on us? You know, I mean, um, I've never liked the "What would Jesus do?" because I don't know what the answer is. But flip this table. That's that's what I say. I I, I, always it's always bothered me. Yeah, what would Jesus do? I don't know. I don't know. Die on a cross and save all humanity? Something I'm not capable of. My goal is what would Jesus want me to do in the here and now? Yeah, because please don't flip the table. God meant. Was that do or do not? (laughs) I want to make sure. It's better Um, to say what would the saints do. I think that's a better a better question to ask yourself because their possibilities are also my possibilities. That's right. They yeah. will they will incarnate the message uh, in a human imperfect way as you and I do. Yeah, uh, it's worse than what you're saying because he doesn't just say take up your cross. He says take up your cross daily. Yes. So there's gonna be some little shadow of the cross every day. Now it's not gonna be. You know, a tumor, uh, getting hit by a Soviet satellite, uh, dying of quicksand um, sinkage or whatever. But it is going to be a no to your fallen nature. And our fallen natures, don't, they don't like the word no. You know, we are naturally lazy. In that sense, even the most hardcore leftist liberal is conservative because everybody wants to conserve their energy. Um, this is why couch potatoes exist. This is why the man cave arose. Because we naturally are sluggish. We don't like self-discipline. We don't like... Um, you know, um, we don't like taking the stairs. We like the elevator at yeah. all times. So the Christian life, I mean, I like the, the word discipline from disciple. The Latin word of disciple is pupil. We're all learners. And when Jesus says, take up your cross, I think he's, he's pointing out that the sufferings that will come, even if you're a practicing atheist, you're going to get the stuffing kicked out of your life, just by life. This is, this is why it's called a veil, veil of tears, right? It's not the veil of pericomo with the ham. I'll just let that hammock, comfy uh, image. And so Jesus dying on the cross is the key 
to understanding how to suffer well. And this is what Sheen was getting back, just to circle back to Sheen. People, they hurt and they're, they're in these agonizing situations and it doesn't seem to be have a point to it. It's just inert, empty, like a bag of anvils on their head. What Christ's death on the cross does and, and his suffering leading up to, to, uh, to that suffering and death, it provides us a way of sharing in it for other people. We can't add to it because it's perfect, right? It's called the one perfect sacrifice. Mm-hmm. How do you know it's perfect? Because you don't have to do it again. But we can participate in it. We can share in it. As we only have one high priest, but he can share his priesthood with others. Yeah. There's only one God, and yet uh, God shares his goodness with creation. Yeah. It's, the, it's the both and. And for Protestants, if there are Protestants listening right now, there are a number of places in the New Testament, the example of the bridegroom in Ephesians 5 is one. The other one is the first chapter of Colossians, where St. Paul makes this stunning statement. He doesn't even argue for it. He just says it. I make up in my own body what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Wait a second. Yeah. Didn't, That's didn't almost we hear, a scandalous we heard the wor- verse. It is. We heard the words, it is finished. Paul, what are you talking about? Which part of finished didn't you understand? So how do you, yeah. how do you grapple with that? And the answer is, as the head... He did give all. I had this conversation with with uh, Peter Kraft. I noticed you've got the Summa of the Summa. Mm-hmm. Uh, in one of his books, Doctor Kraft says, "Why did Why did Jesus give us you know twelve twelve quarts of blood or twelve pints?" Answer: Because that's all he had to give. He gave it all. Mm-hmm. So as the head, he can't add anything more to the to his perfect sacrifice. But he's not just a head. He's also the head and the body. He's not a decapitated body. That would be a corpse. So you and I, as his body fill up somehow yeah. it's a very deep mystery and i we think have to it, participate in that that's the key word yeah so when when saul of tarsus is going to damascus to take out some more christians in this weird cult called the way he experiences the risen christ who knocks him to the ground the bible does not say horse mm-hmm. in, in in the garden it wasn't an apple <laughs> right um so he's he's uh, thrown to the ground and our lord does not say to him uh saul saul why do you persecute my poor christians down in damascus he uses first person singular. Why are you persecuting me? So, the takeaway for me as in my life, when I'm hurting, when I'm persecuted, when I'm suffering, when I when things don't seem to make sense, I can I have the guarantee that Jesus Christ is in that suffering. He doesn't take it away. He doesn't have a magic wand, but he does have a cross. And when we consciously plant that cross in the midst of our suffering, Suddenly, a little, even if it's a small dim light bulb will come on, I can offer this up. I can't escape it, but I can provide meaning for it. Mm. That's, that's my, I mean, that, that's three New Testament verses that point to the same mystery. I think that there's also, uh, you know, there's all these paradoxes in the faith. I think this is one of them, that love and life, which is something you talked about in your talk last night, they mm. always go together, but love and death also always go together. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and you can't have love if you don't have something that's life-giving, and you can't have love if you don't have something that is uh, some sort of death involved. Um, yep. Because otherwise, you have to make a, a gift of yourself, and in so doing, you die to yourself. Um, I, I, I read an article one time, well, actually, my wife read an article, and she told me about it. Uh, that She read it to me. Yeah, she, it was all about, you have to kill something. In order for you to embrace something new, you, you just can't do everything. You have to mm-hmm. let something die or kill it so that yeah. you can say yes to something better. 
That's true of everything we eat, isn't it? Yeah. Even the, the, the most doctrinaire vegan has to allow the carrots to die. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Something has to die that someone mm-hmm. else will live. Yeah. And then, obviously, we can segue to the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the only thing that we consume that's higher in our, uh, than we are in, in nature. Everything else is below us in the food chain. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why we, it's, it's so important to... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, just God, we're eating God's body. We're, it, the Eucharist is infinitely higher, not just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, you are what you eat. But that's also the reason why it's so important to deny yourself uh, in the little things. As a man, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's lower goods in this world that are good. Uh, yeah. Whiskey is a good thing. Cigars, you know, is not intrinsically evil. Right. Uh, um, but you have to be able to deny yourself some of these goods um, to 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 learn how to eat what you're talking about, the killing of, of something for something better in order to say you're not going to be just a saint overnight. This is, this is a, mm-hmm. is a path, you know, and, and in order to be able to, to say no to the big things, these big sins that come up, these big temptations, you have to be able to learn to deny yourself in the little things. And denial is, is the opposite of negotiation. You can't negotiate with your fallen nature. You have to crucify it. It has to be crucified. It's got to go in the original Ebonics. Mm-hmm. It's got to go. And then um, I'll give you an example from my own life. I had this thing about dying when I was a kid. I, mean, I don't know if it's my surname or what, but I, a, a lot of kids I've, I've learned are, have this, these neurotic thoughts about um, about death and the the fragility of life, especially if you know a grandparent dies or what have you. Yeah. So I have I, the shadow of it's been a sub theme of my of my young life, and you would think that like when my daughter Naomi died or when my father died last year, that would send me careening into you know uh, terrible anxiety. Because they're the only two people I've ever been in the same room with, literally inches when they died. Both those deaths have been tremendously healing for me. Hmm. Um, it's like I know this is—it's all informed by my faith, but I, I think a corpse is something utterly different than a living body. Mm-hmm. I, I like when my dad died. It was—it was—it's a, a mysterious precinct that you enter into when when someone's dying. But um, the corpse is not a shell. It's not like oh, there's my dad's cage. Um, but it's not, it's not my father. We're right. body, soul composites. And I, I can't st- explain how, but it was a very healing thing. And it gives me peace. And in addition to that experience, even if I didn't have that, the self-denial that, say, you, that comes to a more fever pitch in Lent, that is a pre-rehearsal for death. You're giving away something that's good for a higher good. Now, our lives are good, but we have to give them away for a higher good. Um, and that too can, I think it changes, it resets your attitude toward your own death because now you're entering into a mini version of it through Mm. denying, denying yourself, dying to yourself. That's why I also think it's very important to have a a scheduled prayer life. Prayer is hard. It's arduous. It's an arduous thing, but you have to stick it. Write it down. Yeah. And you have to do it. You have to stick, stick with it. Otherwise it's going to be hard to grow in your prayer life. Yep. All right. When we get back, we have one more segment. I'm not going to tell you not to go anywhere because you're probably just going to hit the fast forward button for 30 seconds in the podcast, but we'll be right back. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles. Telling a few jokes between the segment here. 
<laughs> sorry. Some I'm good sorry. ones. Some good ones. Uh, so go to our Facebook page or YouTube channel if you want to see the jokes because they'll be there. Patrick. David. You travel a lot, it seems like it, to me. It, it, it's truth, sir. Yeah. You've, you've said wisely. You ever uh, make it overseas? When was the last time you were in Rome? <clears throat> I was in Rome uh, 18 months ago. And uh, one of the pilgrimages my wife and I lead was Rome, um, Siena, Orvieto, and Assisi, where I got to see not one but two Eucharistic miracles. I did not know about the miracle of Bolsena. Uh, it's in Orvieto at the beautiful... Wait, there's another Eucharistic mir- miracle in Orvieto? No, it- I didn't. I didn't know that the miracle. Of, I, I I knew that there was some something to do with with the feast of Corpus Christi. Uh-huh. Thomas Aquinas lived in Orvieto for four years and okay. composed those Eucharistic hymns that we use to this day in benediction because of the miracle of Bolsena. Bolsena is about twenty kilometers away, and it's because uh, there's a, one in Orvieto as well. That's right? the one. Okay, yeah, it's known to locals as the miracle of Bolsena because it's nearby. Um, but oh, if you fall, okay. you know, if you're here in America. You identify it with Orvieto, which I did. I didn't know the story of the priest who was losing his faith, and he was considering leaving the priesthood, and he goes to Rome from Germany and says Mass, and he's full of doubt, and all of a sudden the sacred species become blood, and they drip down off his arm onto the corporal. That corporal is available for examination, and apparently it's you know residual human universal um, blood type. And the other one is in the Basilica of St. Francis of Assisi in Siena. I didn't even know this existed. About 280 years ago, someone stole, they made a grab of the hosts, and they stole them. So the pastor, you know, oh my gosh, where's, where'd our Lord go? <clears throat> About two weeks later, they found them stuffed in the poor box. And they should have begun to degrade already. But he dusted them off and put them in a glass reliquary where they stand to this day. You can go inches from it. They are in pristine condition. No, wow. they're like Eucharistic incorruptibles. Sweet. So, yeah. So, so we, and we uh, what, are that. you leading another? What's your uh, schedule? What's your schedule for pilgrimages? And for Canadian listeners, schedule, schedule, because mm. it's all mm. about processing. Eh? <laughs> We're going to Germany. We're going to um, the living. It's sort of like uh, think of the Mel Gibson movie, but as a live, live play. It's called the Oberammergau Passion Play. It happens every ten years. It's been going on since I've about heard 1654. About it's very good from, like, town, it's amazing, right? It's, uh, apparently, it's like life-changing. It's on a lot of people's bucket list. And since 1654 or so, the townspeople of Oberammergau have made good on their promise to God to spare them from the Black Plague, which was rolling through Europe at the time. No one died. So every 10 years, they've put on this live passion play. I think it's based on either Mark's or John's gospel. And except for World War One and Two, every 10 years, this is going on. So... Father Willie Raymond is our spiritual director, and I can't wait to get there. There's a, for listeners who are listening live or soon, uh, April 2019 is the, the uh, April 30th is the end of our early bird special, so $100 off. Father Willie Raymond is the, the guy leading the canonization cause for Father Patrick Payton, famous for the family that prays together, stays, stays together. together. So we're going to Dachau. We're going to have Mass at the Carmelite Monastery overlooking the death camp. We're going to see where... Um, then little Joseph Ratzinger was baptized. Oh, very cool. See, I just slipped into Irish there. Little Joseph Ratzinger <laughs> baptized in his church. You're talking about Germany with the Irish accent. Yes, to quote uh, the Godfather, yes, my, my Mick Kraut friend. <laughs> 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 yes, so that's, um, if, you want, if people want to find out more or register, it's patrickhoffman.media slash pilgrimage. My name.media slash pilgrimage. Wonderful. Thanks for asking. Wonderful, yeah. Cool.
Okay, so we're, oh, so the passion play that they do is a good segue back into uh, suffering that we're talking yeah. about. Um, and one thing that I think is difficult to know about suffering is, okay, I get it. I've accepted this idea that suffering can be spiritually beneficial for myself and for the community. But how do I, what am I supposed to do when I'm suffering? How, you know, how do I sanctify it? How do I redeem it? Uh, how do I change this from just sitting here enduring, you know, to... How do you not unite it with the cross? Right. Yeah. Like, what is that? How do you do that? You do it with an act of the will that flies in the face of your feelings. Okay. And it's a, it's a mental reset. It's a decision to consciously... I mean, the, the phrase offered up can become cliche and kind of glib. Hey, Charlie, offer it up. Mm-hmm. When someone's really hurting... Um, it's not an emotional thing. It's something that you, it, it's, a, it's a knowledge through faith that what you're undergoing is not meaningless, that God in, in his inscrutable wisdom is going to be great, bring great good out of this. And sometimes you find out sooner, sometimes you find out later why, why you underwent this. I mean, imagine the bewilderment and the, the panic that must have gone through the hearts of the apostles when the Lord and Master was arrested, and then he was punched and kicked and scourged and then murdered. Like, the whole thing failed. We're done. He's right. dead. I yeah. saw his corpse. But from that failure is the greatest possible miracle, the greatest good, the resurrection. We're still in Easter. And so that this deicide, the death of God, the worst thing that could possibly happen or could ever have happened, led to the greatest imaginable good, which is the redemption of the world and our salvation. There have been times where I, I've been like, okay, I'm ready to take up my cross. I'm ready to do this. You know, I, I like mentally get get prepared. I'm like, all right, let's do this. And yeah, yeah, I'm getting rocky. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm stretching. You know, I'm spiritually stretching. I'm ready to go. First inconvenience, I'm like moaning and Flipping complaining. Tables. I'm like, what? I don't deserve this. You know, like, yeah. uh, what is this? Yeah, uh, this is terrible. God, why was, are you persecuting me? <laughs> have you yeah. have you experienced that before? The horror. The horror. Yeah. <laughs> trying to pray my rosary someone cuts me off in traffic you're like i'm trying to be holy over here okay (laughs) (laughs) brutal i'll i'll pick which self-denial i right yeah that's exactly that's really what you say is is i'm a lot of times you say i'm willing to suffer but i want to pick the suffering that i do yeah i want it tailor-made to me yeah i want to pick how much and for how long and when Right. Yeah. And I would like the next two minutes, and then it's all done, and I can be proud of myself for the rest of the day for having suffered <laughs> yes. so honorably. And it's a pure kind of pride. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Back to Father Groeschel. He said something um, that uh, he had a really wonderful way of blending Bronx sarcasm with spiritual depth. And uh, he was talking about the cross. And he said, I live in the South Bronx. People who are afraid of the second coming, I'm like, could you move it up to Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, Lord, I've got this cross on my shoulders. Could you maybe put a Nerf little pillow here? Maybe a wheel so it's easier. <laughs> so that we naturally shrink from suffering. Yeah. But you can't, you can't go around it. You have to go through it. And that's, that's an insight that even a, a Jew who was in Auschwitz, Dr. Viktor Frankl, learned in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, that you can, you can apply meaning to suffering. Can I give you one example? We were talking about the death of my daughter and my, and my dad last year. Victor Frankl, uh, there's a, uh, one of the versions of the book comes with an introduction by a guy from Harvard named Gordon Alport. Why I remember his name, I have no idea. Gordon Alport. And there's an anecdote that illustrates this idea of, of instilling meaning in suffering. And it's this 80-plus-year-old doctor, 
and his, his wife had died two years previous and he was severely depressed. So he goes to see this famous psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, and what, what could Frankl say? The guy's wife's dead, she's not coming back, and he's terribly, he's bereft two years later. And Frankl says, Doctor, when you were younger, did your wife and you ever discuss who would die first? Oh, yes, we've had those discussions. And then he said, can you imagine if you died first? Because it could have happened that way. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, his face, his face went uh, white and he said, I can't even accommodate that thought. My wife was rather dependent on me. I was the sole breadwinner. She was very, she leaned on me so much. I can't even imagine what she would go through if I had died first. And then Frankel looked at him and he said, so you're saving her from this. Your, every one of your tears is so that she won't have to shed them. So you, you now have a reason to bear it. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. now all of a sudden so that, you feel, you le- feel great about it. That was the therapy. He left, he left the office. He kind of, yes, that's true. That is real. That's human. Yeah. Now, he, it, didn't take his, it didn't take it away. His wife didn't mm-hmm. magically appear again. Right. But he, he was able to see his own heartache as something his wife was spared. Mm-hmm. And that made it bearable. Yeah. And that's the thing. We will never know all the suffering that we do when we offer it up, when we unite it to the cross. We won't, mm. we won't know the effects it really, truly has until we're on the other side of the veil. Yep. I, like, I just imagine when you, when you get up, mm. you know, Lord, please, when you get into the pearly gates and you walk in and you have all these people just kind of like walk up and just like give you these big high fives and hugs and welcome. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know any of these people. Who, who are these yeah. people? And it's all the people that you offered your your sufferings up for, like the poor souls in purgatory, and mm-hmm. and, and all of the things that we're supposed to be doing, offering it up to to the people who uh, don't have anybody to pray for. Yeah, um, you know yeah. those kind of people who are just going to come up there and be like, "Bro, I can't believe that this is odd. Thank mm-hmm. you so much." You know, and it's like yeah. I had no idea who you are. Uh, right, surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Maybe they're the right. witnesses. Maybe. Yeah. So I, uh, <clears throat> I firmly believe that. At my judgment, I will look back at my life and wish I had suffered more. I, I will regret the comfort of my life mm-hmm. that I enjoy now. Well, Mother Angelica always said, keep me alive as long as I possibly can so I have more to offer up to our Lord. Blessed Chiara Luci Badano declined morphine while dying of osteosarcoma. She didn't, a, she didn't want to go to her bridegroom all doped up. B, she wanted a share like Saint Teresa of Lisieux, she mm-hmm. wanted that conscious. I love you so much, Lord. I want to comfort you on the cross. If if I can be brought into your experience for the sake of the salvation of others, I want I want to drink to the to the dregs. You but those magna- magnanimous decisions don't come just overnight. It has to be because of right the the history of the denying themselves of the little things. All of the teenage saints are that way. They started in early childhood. No one wins uh, a gold medal the day they win the gold medal. It right. starts when in the 4 a.m. wake-up calls years before. And it's about having a cheerful attitude, learning, that's suffering well, learning to have a cheerful attitude in the midst of suffering. I think that's, got to get that in. I totally disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Patrick yeah. Media, uh, PatrickCoffin.media, go check him out. Yep, right on. We're We're on the, the thanks, guys. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass and cheers to Jesus. Jesus.